Hello, hello, and welcome to Addiction Makes Three, the podcast. My name is Amanda Lockyer, and this is our very first episode. Today, this is introductions. This is why are we here? This is a story about me, how I got to be here in your ears talking about addiction and kind of uncovering the context because it is always, always, always so important to reflect on context. So let's get into it. Episode one. So this podcast is not actually about me. This is about you, it's about me, it is about us, and it is about changing the conversation of this space, changing the language, helping people who might not understand what this is like, understand. And if you are on either side of this conversation in your life, I hope this helps you feel seen and understood. I'm not going to go into my story in every episode. This is the time I'm going to go into it to give you context, to know that my life is not exactly like your life. However, we do have shared experiences. We do have a shared understanding. And as I spoke about in the trailer, this does not discriminate. So I'm going to go into how I got here, how I got to be speaking with you and a podcast talking about addiction in the context of my life, how I grew up, my experiences. And this is incredibly uncomfortable. Even though I've been speaking about this in this space for a number of years, I want to tell you The thought of doing this particular episode had me feeling like my skin was going to melt off because this is vulnerable. This is really laying it out there. But I know that when I do that, a number of you are going to be listening, nodding along to the story, feeling seen in some of my experiences to know that is not just you. Please know my story is going to be a little different to yours, however, also very similar. Let's start at the very beginning. I grew up in New Zealand, as you might be able to tell from my accent, had braces, bad haircuts, had to wear glasses. My dad will never shy away from telling me that they always paid the extra so I didn't have the real thick jam jar glasses. Two parents, one sister and grew up in a lovely little neighborhood, had lots of lovely little friends, you know, a wonderful family. Often my mum would tell me I saw things through rose tinted glasses. I was the optimist. I gave people the benefit of the doubt and I want to say I still do that. However, with realistic expectations, okay? So young version of me, rose-tinted glasses, the optimist. I definitely dabbled with some people-pleasing and loved to I guess, please my parents, do the right thing. I typically sought my self-worth and value from academic performance, outcomes, all those things. I mean, of course, right? (laughs) 
no surprises there. And my family, my mum is the kindest woman you would ever meet and would do anything for anyone. She would give you the shirt off her back. I grew up with a dad that always said that girls can do anything and that man was truly ahead of his time. My sister and I grew up playing teachers and shops at home and then had the usual years of teenage indifference, followed by so many amazing adventures overseas. We lived in London together. She is my rock. She packs me up and puts me back together when I feel like I am in pieces. So I am really, truly so fortunate to have such a beautiful, supportive family. In terms of my education, I went to a little local primary school where everyone kind of looked like me and then went to a more diverse secondary school, which was a real eye-opener. And also, I was truly grateful for that experience. I went to university. I don't know if you're just tuning in now in the context of me and my addiction space. I did accounting and commercial law at uni. Actually, my 15-year-old self decided that accounting was it for me. We'll unpack some of that a bit later on in another episode. A month after my last uni exam, I jumped on a plane and worked in the States for five months, so had a visa for that. I worked in Austin, Texas for four months in a restaurant. Then I took a one-month Greyhound bus ticket adventure and went around quite a few places in the States, heading west to Yosemite National Park, San Francisco, up to Chicago, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and ended up in New York and a few places in between. Had my first sushi experience in 2004 I was so naive and sometimes I think I still am in a way which is unusual given the lived experience however I was so naive traveling by yourself on the Greyhound and I would never do that now my bestie traveled we went to Egypt for a little trip and we did part of it as like a guided tour And then we had a few days up our sleeve at the end and we decided to go to Sharm El Sheikh from Cairo. However, we could only afford to fly one way. So we flew there and we got a local bus service back. What an eye-opening experience that was. I think we both kissed the ground when we got back to Cairo in one piece. Things you were never going to tell your parents, right? Worked in in London, did that for nearly nine years, and then got to the stage in life where my friends were pairing off with people, and they were moving out of the city, and they were having kids, and I had no one to play with in London, so I thought, let's move to Australia, that sounds fun, and I had lots of friends that had since moved back there. So I moved to Sydney, Australia in 2012, met a lovely man there, and it was all the love. We did marriage, house, babies, and all those family things. You know, just so many wonderful experiences. And then how did this come about? I want to say, let's lead with human kindness here, okay? I would invite you to, when I'm talking about this next part, to lean in with curiosity. Lean in with compassion 
for the people in the story. I want to make it abundantly clear I am only going to speak to my side, my experience. This is my whole purpose. How did we come here to be at Addiction Makes Three? In late 2019, I was absolutely desperate for support. Things were not great. And when I say not great, that is the nicest way I can put it. It was absolutely awful and I just did not know what to do. At that time, I had a two and a four-year-old. I was back at work part-time. Life was incredibly confusing and chaotic and it felt like being on a roller coaster that you did not want to get on and you could not get off. It was quite frankly awful. And I do want to say in amongst that, there were good times. So when I spoke about context at the start and when I spoke about it in the trailer introduction, it is not all bad. It is not all bad. However, our mind can be incredibly sneaky. When there's not great stuff going on in your life, it can really zoom in on the not great stuff and just blow it up so it feels like it's touching every part of your life. It absolutely does take away from being able to enjoy great moments, absolutely, and we're going to get into that another time. However, I do want to emphasize it is not all bad, and it was not all bad. It was definitely more bad times than good times. I had been through the roller coaster ride of being on the outside when someone is seeking support in rehab and that was a time and again we'll get into that in another episode things were not great and at that point at the end of 2019 I have never felt so alone in my life and I thought I need connection I don't know how my mind works but I thought I can't be the only person here I need connection I'm going to start a blog. So I went and I came up with Addiction Makes Three. Addiction Makes Three. You, me, Addiction Makes Three. And when you have a loved one in your life that is struggling with addiction, some problematic behavior, it is never just the two of you. When you are navigating life, daily challenges, excitement, plans, the mundane in the middle, there is always this little thing called addiction in the background. Whether it's front and center, back seat, in the rear view, it always kind of plays into your decisions, how you feel, your capacity to make plans, your capacity to enjoy the moment. It really, really, really does. And even when I've thought about it in a broader context, it is more than just you and your loved one. It is how it shows up with you and work, how it shows up with you and friends, you and your family, you and your children. It is there in the background. It absolutely impacts daily decisions, daily thoughts, your life. Addiction makes three. It is that third thing, third person in your relationship. So back to my blog idea, I thought, amazing, addiction makes three, 
good. I'm going to write a blog to connect with other people so that I'm not alone. They don't feel alone. Amazing. I'm going to start a blog. I wrote a few blogs. I think I published one and I thought, oh my goodness, I have two young children. I'm working. I'm navigating a bit of a shit show. Life is not great. I'm doing all the things. Really, do I have time to do a blog and all that entails? Possibly not. So I canned the blog idea and I thought, okay, maybe Instagram is the way to go. And to be honest, (laughs) it's the same effort, right? Writing blog posts, writing Instagram posts, same thing. I thought, great, another way to connect with people. And I did that initially anonymously. If you go to my Instagram page and you rewind back to late 2019, you will see me sign off my posts as Mrs. L. So how Mrs. L came about is I saw this lovely woman, Mrs. D, and I cannot remember her full name. However, she is a beautiful lady in New Zealand who has navigated addiction and recovery, and she wrote, I think she's written a few books, and once I find her name and books, I'll put them in the show notes. So she referred to herself as Mrs. D as she was navigating this in a similar thing. I think she did do a blog. Uh, so I thought, well, if she can be Mrs. D, I can be Mrs. L. So I stayed anonymous in that space for a bit. And then I thought I need to step into some authenticity and be courageous and kind of put my face out there. And I did do that. Still Mrs. L. However... I was so stuck in the shame and the stigma and I was just petrified that someone I knew would come across one of my posts. And I was worried that some of my family, loved ones, or my person would come across my post. That was a massive concern. It felt wrong. And yet, why should it feel wrong? Why should it feel wrong to reach out and seek support, to seek community? I have checked myself regularly over these years that I'm in line with my values here. I'm in line with my integrity. I, and as I've already said in this episode, I'm speaking from my perspective. Why shouldn't we be able to seek support and speak about this? And I know why we don't initially. And again, another topic for another day. However, if you rewind back to my post and from the very beginning, you'll see I was showing up as Mrs. L. And then Eventually, when I wanted to pursue the coaching in the space as an addiction relationship coach for women, I spoke to my loved one. I said, this is what I want to do. What do you think? And he said, absolutely. I 100% support you. Do it. And I said to him, hey, I'm going to have to kind of come out of the closet here. I can't do this and be successful and impact lives. Being anonymous, being Mrs. L. And I said, this is going to have far-reaching consequences. How do you feel? He said, do it. Came out, came out of the closet, Mrs. L. And now obviously I show up as myself. Okay, but like I said at the start, there are days, even when I'm in line with my integrity, I'm in line with my values, I feel like some of the stuff I share when I'm saying it, when I'm about to say it, when I'm thinking of saying it, that my skin wants to kind of melt off. And please stay with me here. How hard do you think it is for someone in your life to speak up? and say they're struggling with something or struggling with something in their family. This last week, I let people know I was doing a podcast and I asked people to please share this on your socials. Please share it because for sure, someone in your community is going to need this. I am sure people experience some very uncomfortable feelings at the 
thought of sharing it and consequently didn't share it and completely understandable. I would ask you again to sit with that. If you're uncomfortable sharing something that someone else is doing, how do you think people feel reaching out and voicing that they need support? Okay, that is all I'm going to ask you to do. Be curious. The discomfort that you felt at the thought of sharing my post, how do you think other people feel if they're struggling themselves? The thought of speaking up, saying their truth. And I have been sharing my story for a number of years And sometimes when I'm about to do a speaking event or speak to a new audience, I feel uncomfortable. I do feel like my skin is going to melt off. My heart is in my stomach. So curiosity and compassion is all I am asking for. Why am I here? Because I truly want to change the language around this. Because when we change the language, we change the message. And to really highlight the lesser spoken side of addiction. How it impacts the partners and family of those that are struggling. Because like I have said, people like you and me are struggling with this. And they are metaphorically and physically on their knees, struggling in silence. And I've already said it. I have never felt so alone and lonely in my life as I navigated the brutal side of this. And consciously, I knew that it could not just only be me, but I also at the same time felt like it was actually just me because no one is talking about it. And we mask it well. We pretend things are okay because it is uncomfortable for everyone when we say things are not okay. We've made it not okay in our society to put your hand up and say things aren't great for me. I need some support. And I know that when I bravely stepped into the small suggestion of what was going on in my life a number of years ago with lovely people, that they turned around and shared with me that something similar was going on in their life. Either their partner, a sibling, a parent, or a child. Yeah, I have been burned more than once that when you are vulnerable, you think this is a safe person. I've had it thrown back in my face. And I'm sure if you're listening and you have struggled with either side of this, you have too. And that stings. But please know there are good people out there that do understand. And if it wasn't thrown back in my face when I had the courage to share, I was given unhelpful advice such as just kick them out or just leave them. Here is a hot tip. When you ask someone to do that and they don't, then there is the shame that you offered a perfectly reasonable solution and they didn't follow through. So what that does is then means they can't come to you and ask for support again or a kind ear. They feel shame that they didn't follow through on your advice. And with curiosity, if it was easy just to kick someone out of their home or if it was easy to just leave someone, we would have done it. So again, let's leave with kindness and curiosity and compassion. And hot tip, and we'll get into some more of these as we go along. If someone comes to you with a struggle or they're having a bit of a tough situation in whatever area ask them if they would like advice or support or if they just want you to sit there with them because more often than not they truly just want a kind listening ear so like i said am i uncomfortable sharing this yes i absolutely am uncomfortable skin melting off level uncomfortable however 
nothing changes if nothing changes. And I know this is not just me and it is not a small group of people. It is millions and millions of people across the world that are navigating this. And this is what I would have liked six or seven years ago when things were confusing and life was hard for me. And shame dies when stories are told in safe places. I think Brene Brown said that. So I hope you have a safe place to land. I hope you can find someone in your circle that you feel safe sharing this with, whatever it is, because connection is what we all need as humans. Now, to further <laughs> emphasize my skin melting off, I wrote a poem back in t- November 2020. I did a program for myself back then as a participant. For context, again, I had just gone through a really tough time. As part of the program, we had to write some words about kind of our experience and what was going on. So I wrote a poem. Please sit with me in your kindness as I read it and hope that my skin does not melt off. It is not polished. It needs some tweaking, but I just dug it out the archives as a way to really start Addiction Makes 3, the podcast. Okay, here we go. You, me, and he, together we made three. For a time I had believed it was just the two, but have since learnt there was always you. I found myself on a merry-go-round of insanity and chaos. It was indescribable, the absolute sadness of living grief and grave loss. In every moment and every turn, your heavy burden I was to learn. Even in the moments that you should not have been, there you were, your presence, felt but not so clearly seen. Lurking and taunting, directing and flaunting, our lives have never been the same. The cloak of guilt and anger grew heavy, along with it, the shame. You aren't he and he isn't you, but you are pure exhaustion. You have made me crazy, for that I know is true. So we are breaking up, you and I, no longer he and you and me. I am absolutely done with you, no longer are we three. I hope one day you are no longer two, together you and he, that one day he will be done forever, but I can no longer be part of the three. You stole him from me and he is no longer just he. I so desperately want him back, but now I feel so blinded by you and all I see is his lack. I know I must say farewell. I know I must bid you goodbye. There have been so many tears, but for this I will not cry. I hope that eventually he will too be courageous enough to say farewell to the horror of you. He is he and I am I. We shall not be defined by you. I sever the tie. I must lean back to prioritize me once more. There was once great strength, but now I'm not so sure. He shall slip and so shall I. There will be mistakes I shall not cry. For this road is long and it has no end. I hope desperately to be reunited with my best friend. Where once stood two, I barely knew the third did exist. But now we are four. I do implore that that hideous fifth shall not persist. Walking separately and together towards the light, 
His pathway is his, I shall not fight. Thank you for joining me to the end of the first episode of Addiction Makes Three, the podcast. Hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with me with thoughts, feedback or queries, you can send me an email. Details will be in the show notes. Thanks for staying kind and I'll speak to you soon.